Amen. Well, once again, Merry Christmas. I want to share a short Christmas message with you this morning. And uh, I pray that it will encourage you, it will bless you and, uh, and your family. And then we're going to all go about our, our uh, day, of course, celebrating with family and friends and whatever else you have planned. If you have some really good food, uh, save some for us and just call me and let me know. I'll come by later and pick it up. Amen. <laughs> like I said, I'm trying to work on the laughter anointing this morning. I got to get everybody laughing a little bit. It's, uh, it's, you know, it's Christmas. We've got to have some fun. If you'll bring me down, uh, Brother Chuck, I just, I feel like I'm still ringing a little bit. Praise the Lord. Let's pray before we go to the Word. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your holy written Word that's living and powerful. God, I thank you that as we look at it this morning on Christmas Day, Lord, that you bless the time we have together. Lord, that you bless this message and that you, uh, that you speak to each and every one of us in Jesus' name. And everybody said... Amen. Say it better. Amen. 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 Um, I want to look at really two sets of scriptures. Of course, Uh, the main uh, place that we see the birth of Jesus is in Luke chapter two In Luke chapter two. So if you'll look there with me in Luke chapter two, we are going to just kind of pick up some different parts of this. Uh, By the way, I I, I, these are my kids over here and they kind of run around this place most of the week. And so uh, it's a little bit different when we have a service and then we have to like contain them because they're just not used to that. They're used to running around. They do normally behave. I I will say they do normally behave. But uh, if they run up here, (laughs) my wife's. Yeah, yeah. That's what that's what I'm leading up to. Um, But but uh, it does not bother me. I realize that we have kids in here today, which is part of the reason why I don't want to preach too long. But my wife just brought up the the next point I want to make next Sunday. Everybody say next Sunday. So we're not having church this week, but next Sunday, January 1st, I know it's New Year's Day, but as I just talked about, our commitment to God supersedes all national holidays, amen? And so we're having church next Sunday, including celebration for our kids. So celebration kids will be back open. If if you have kids, maybe if you're new today and you don't know what that is, it's the best children's ministry. There may be some as good, but there's none better in Columbia, Florence, Georgetown, anywhere where there's a family worship center, we have a top-notch children's ministry, amen? So that'll be back next Sunday. Are you in Luke chapter 2? Nobody. Are you in Luke chapter 2? Yes. Amen. I want to look at this um, uh, starting in verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This census was the first uh, that took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Now, if you don't know the importance or significance of this, it was prophesied hundreds of years before, 700 years or so is what they estimate, that Jesus would be born in this town of Bethlehem. In this small little, you could say in, in the south, we use the word podunk. Anyone know the word podunk? Podunk town of Bethlehem, small little town. It, 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 you know, it's pretty significant that Mary and Joseph came together. Now if you were to go back and read uh, in the other Gospels, they actually outline the lineage of Mary 
and Joseph. I think I said Mary and David, but what I meant to say was Mary and Joseph. Mary did not marry David. Amen. She, she married Joseph, and Mary and Joseph uh, are the two that, that are Mary birthed Jesus. But, you know, Joseph had nothing to do with this. He had nothing to do with this. He was just the father figure. He was just the one involved as Jesus' uh, father figure on the earth. Um, but the, the angel told Mary in Luke chapter 1 that the, uh, that, that the glory of the Lord, that the Holy Spirit will overpower you, will overshadow you, and the power of the Lord will come upon you, and you'll birth a son. You'll become pregnant and birth a son. Now, the reason that's so significant is because both Mary and Joseph were of the lineage of David, of King David. Both of them were. And they both ended up falling in love together, then going to the town of David called Bethlehem, which happened to be where Joseph's family was from, where his hometown was, which fulfilled the prophecy. The significance of that is just uh, uh, undeniable. That means that, that both legally, meaning through Joseph, legally, and both uh, genealogy-wise, Jesus was born of the lineage of King David, which was also prophesied. The, the fact that that could come together, that two people fall in love, they were already engaged when the angel came to see Mary and came to see Joseph. I mean, Joseph was ready to, to the Bible says that he was going to gently discard of his wife or his, uh, his, his fiance. Because, you know, he was like, yeah, I mean, I didn't have sex with her, so I don't know who did. So oh, I can't say that we got kids in here. I didn't, you know, <laughs> I didn't do that. So I got, I, you know, wh what are we going to do? And he was going to gently discard of her. But then the angel said, don't worry. Everybody look at your neighbor and tell him, don't worry. Look to your other neighbor. Look to the other side. If you have nobody, then look back to the first person. But, <laughs> but find somebody and tell them this. Say, don't be afraid. You know, several times, I mean, just about every time that an angel visits someone, they tell them, don't be afraid. You know, I want to tell you this Christmas, as you get ready for the new year, as you get ready to go into whatever God has you in the new year. We're getting ready for Agreement Sunday on January 8th, where we're going to all lay hands on these uh, agreement cards, pray and believe for an amazing year next year. And one of the things that will stop you from experiencing what God's best is for you is fear is living in fear, is walking in fear, wandering in fear. What am I going to do? How am I going to get there? How's it going to happen? How's it going to all fall in place? How, how am I going to get, you know, God put such and such on my heart, and I know I need to do this with my kids, and I know I need to fix that with my marriage, and I know I need to do X, Y, and Z, and I know, I know, I know, yet you're wondering how. How am I going to do it? Asking the question how is not a problem unless you get into doubt. Unless you get into, it won't happen. It can't happen. I don't know. It just, it just is never going to come together. You cannot get into doubt. You, you know, there's nothing wrong with asking a question. Mary asked the question. Um, yeah, hey, Mr. Angel, I know you said I'm going to have a baby, but um, how's that possible? Nothing wrong with asking a question, but we can't get into doubt. Look at how all this came together. I guess that's the picture I'm trying to paint to you this morning. That today, on Christmas Day, we're celebrating the fact that Jesus was born on this day, 2,000 years ago. We know it might not actually be December 25th. 
I get it. But can we just pick a day and celebrate? Amen. Amen. Okay. So we're going to call it today for the sake of celebration. And this day, 2,000 years ago, all of these things came together beautifully. Came together perfectly. So that you and I could have a relationship with God like nobody had ever had before. That was basically up to this point impossible to have. So let's keep going. Um, Joseph went up from Galilee. already read that. Uh, his, his, uh, yeah, he went up with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. Verse 6, so it was. So it was. So it was. You know, that, that means so it came together. So, so it fell into place. So it, you know, and actually, really, that's not even the, the correct way to say it because fell into place almost seems like it's an accident. But this was no accident. You know, if you take a, a puzzle, did anybody get a puzzle for Christmas? Just curious. Nobody got a puzzle. Well, praise God. Next time you do a puzzle, I want you to think about this. Take the puzzle out the box and I want you to shake it all up and then I want you to dump the puzzle out on the floor and watch it perfectly fall into a put-together puzzle. It doesn't happen, does it? You, you, you dump out all those pieces on the floor or the kitchen table or wherever you do it, and, and it's still a puzzle. It's a puzzle. All the pieces are there, unless you have a dog like ours who will eat them. But up until he eats them, all the pieces are there. And then you have to do the work of putting the puzzle together. Here's what I want to tell you. The Bible says that in Romans 8, 28, that God works all things for the good. I want you to say that right now because I, I want you to get this in your spirit before you leave and go celebrate Christmas with family. Before you have the opportunity to get frustrated. Before you have the opportunity to, to fall under duress from Satan's attacks, which we're going to look at in a second about how he doesn't win anyways. But before you even get to those opportunities, I want you to say this with me. Say, God works all things. Say it again. Say, all things. God works all things for the good of those who love him. He works things out for you. Say that with me. Say, God works things out for me. He works things out for you. He loves you so much. He cares about every hair on your head. He cares about your kids, your family, your plans, your desires. Psalms tells us that he will give us the desires of our heart. Man, that's good. Not, not he'll, yes, he'll give us the needs. We see that in Philippians. That my God will supply all my needs. I know he'll supply my needs, but Psalms 37 says that he'll give me the desires of my heart. He actually cares about your desires. How many of you have desires? You're hoping, if you haven't opened your Christmas presents yet, you're hoping when you get home that you get that desire of your heart. I got mine early. You know what I wanted? I wanted some AirPods, the new ones, the AirPods Pro. And I got them. I got them early too. I wanted to open them right away and put them bad boys to use. And they're great. They're great. They're great, by the way. Thank you, sweetie. Thank you so much. I love you. I love you more than the AirPods. Yeah. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm, I'm looking at all these kids around the room. I've ta- told you about mine and the little things that have happened this week that just filled my heart with joy. You know, I actually care about my kids and the desires of their heart and the things that they want. I care. 
If I care that much about my kids, how much more does God care about you? How much more does God care about you? So it was, so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her, yeah, for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. I want you to go down to verse 21. Verse 21. So we have Jesus, he's been born, the shepherds are notified, they all come to the manger. And then, verse 21, and when eight days were completed for the circumcision of the child, his name was called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. Now when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were completed, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it was written in the law of the Lord. So that's what they were supposed to do. They're fulfilling the law by bringing, and it goes on to explain here, every male who opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice. So that's what they were supposed to do. They're supposed to bring the baby, much like a baby dedication, and they were to offer a sacrifice according to what it is said in the law of the Lord. So they were bringing a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons to sacrifice. Now notice in verse 25, we meet Simeon, who's an old man. Can you imagine going to your baby dedication? And during your baby dedication, you bring your eight-year-old baby, which we do them usually a little bit older than eight years old, but whatever. You bring your baby, and, and, you, and you come into the church, and all of a sudden, an 80-something-year-old, 90-something-year-old man yanks up your baby and starts prophesying over it in front of the whole community. This is literally what happens. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. Notice he was led to go to the Spirit, led to go to the temple by the Holy Spirit that day. He goes there that he would, uh, so he came by the Spirit in the temple. And when the parents, when Mary and Joseph brought the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he, Simeon, took him up in his, in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace. Talking about himself. In other words, now, finally, I've seen the coming Messiah. Imagine being told you're not going to see death until, I mean, he didn't know how long. He didn't know how long he was going to live. But he was led by the Lord, goes to the temple, and then all of a sudden, in walks. Now, we don't know exactly how many people were there that day. But much like today, and this is a busy time of the year, and there are plenty of people in this room, plenty of kids in this room. No one, I mean, even if you were a prophet of prophets, you wouldn't know, I mean, so, some child in here know their future, know their, their calling, know all those things, unless the Lord were to reveal it to you. And he calls out, there they are. There he is. Sees the parents come in grabs baby Jesus and declares these things over him. According to your word, for my eyes, verse 30, have seen your salvation, 
which you have prepared before the face of all peoples, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, here's what I want you to realize. Simeon said this, I've now seen what Jesus, I mean, what God told me would come. And he describes them. He's going to be a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles. I read this last night. This is pivotal because you and I are Gentiles. We're not Jews. And on the eighth day of Jesus being alive, Simeon gets up and declares, this little baby is going to bring light not only to God's people, the Jews, but to all the Gentiles as well. And he'll bring glory to your people, Israel. Now, why was Simeon able to recognize this? I want you to go back a little bit. And behold, verse 25, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was, everybody say, just and devout. He was a dedicated man. He knew the scriptures. And also, to my earlier point, he was in the house of the Lord. If you want to see Jesus and you want to see God's promises come to fruition in your life, you can take a few notes from Simeon. He was just and he was devout. He was a man who was dedicated to, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to obey his commandments. You know, they didn't have the same Bible we had, but they had a Bible. They had, they called it God's word. They lived by the scriptures. They knew the scriptures, you know, even Jews to this day. I mean, they, they, they are, I'm talking about devout Jews, someone who doesn't believe Jesus is Lord, but believes in the, the early books of the Bible. They're devout. They read the scriptures two times, a, two times a week, and then several times a year do things that none of us as Christians even do. They're devout. But he realized this, this goes beyond anything that we've had before. I, I, you, you have to become, we, we all should become and strive to become a 2023 like Simeon, just and devout, looking for the promises of God. You know, you should have an expectation this year. Everybody say this, say, I'm going to have an expectation for great things in 2023. You should go around looking for God's promises. You should go around looking for God to do what he said he would do. There's nothing wrong with that. If God said he'll bless me, Go looking, look for, expect blessing, but you can't forget the just and devout part. You can't forget the part that says, I'm going to obey God's commandments. I'm going to make a dedication to God. I'm going to be in the house of the Lord where God's manifest presence was. Now, yes, I know, I realize because Jesus came, because he lived a perfect life, because he died, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. If you accept Jesus, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I recognize that. But I also recognize the importance of, the Bible says this, in the latter days, in the days that, are, that we're living in, do not forsake assembling together. Don't forsake assembling together. Don't forget that you have to assemble together. Amen? Amen. So I want to read one more thing, just because I think this is cool, and then we're done. Genesis chapter 3. In Genesis chapter 3, this is what they say is the, uh, uh, the first messianic proph- prophecy. If you don't know what that means, messianic is talking about the Messiah, Jesus. And notice this. 
This is right after Adam and Eve sinned. So Adam and Eve sinned. They ate the fruit. The uh, Satan, in the form of a serpent, deceived them, deceived Eve, and then she convinced her husband, hey, eat the fruit. And so uh, in verse 14, chapter 3, verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, now he's talking to Satan, because you have done this, you are cursed more than all cattle and more than every beast of the field. On your belly you shall go and you shall eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. Notice this. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. This is talking about in a, a messianic prophecy that although Satan deceived her that day, on the same day God declared Although Satan, although you have bruised her heel, you have bruised her, uh, uh, bruised her heel, sorry, you have bruised his heel, talking about mankind, he, Jesus, shall bruise your head. Another translation says he will crush your head. Well, what happened when Jesus came to earth, lived, died, he went down to the, to the pits of hell, the Bible says, and he took the keys to death, hell, and the grave. Now, I'm going, I know I'm getting a little deep on Christmas morning, but I wanted to, to just set this in stone, I guess. As you go about all your festivities, you can take the verse down. As you go through all of your thoughts, as you go through all the fun, as you go through all, everything you're doing. From the day mankind made a mistake, blew it with God, put sin in between them and God. From that day, God put into orchestration a plan. And said, it's going to take me some time to work all this out. To have the Jews do what they need to do. To have God's people come up. To have King David do everything that he did. Then for the lineage of King David to develop. For Mary and Joseph to get married, come together, and have baby Jesus. For him to live 33 years on this life, perfect. For him to do and fulfill all the prophecies that he fulfilled. And then die on the cross, even though he did nothing wrong. To shed his blood for you. But I'm going to do all that so that he can go down to hell and crush the head of the one who bruised your heel today. And on the day, on the day that Adam and Eve made the mistake and caused us all the problems we have today are thanks to them. I'd hate to be them in heaven, man. They got to have some like far off place, man. Nobody like, thanks, dude. You had it perfect. You couldn't just leave the tree alone. Alone, alone, leave it over there. You had to eat it. Thanks, Eve. Appreciate it. Even with the mistakes, even with the error, don't feel like whatever errors you've made in 2022 need to carry into 2023. All you need to do is get in God's plan. Work on being just and devout like Simeon. Get in the house of God where God's manifest presence comes in, into play. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Make a dedication in 2023. I'm not carrying the mistakes of 2022. I'm not bringing them in. I, if God can do that for Adam and Eve, he can orchestrate me right out of whatever messes I've made and put me into a plan of success. Amen? Amen. Amen. If you'll stand on your feet.